Welcome in. This is the latest episode of the 1796 Sports Podcast. I got Jim and Ryan with me, as always. We're going to be recapping the Tennessee Vandy game. We were actually all three in attendance in Nashville at that shithole of an arena. And I'm not going to lie, if you didn't watch the game, the box score may deceive you. There was time where we were all a little bit worried. Ryan was holding my hand. He was so worried. So... <laughs> um yeah what'd you guys think jim we'll start with you uh very slow start i mean it's it went back a couple of games where i kept saying the vols couldn't be doing that um we were lucky it was against vanderbilt because any other quad one even a quad two team like south carolina which i don't think south carolina is a quad two team but anyway but any team that's better than vanderbilt that might end up being a loss with the way we were playing we couldn't even hit our free throws and um, luckily, they turned it around. Dalton Connect just went off. So uh, overall, I mean, good team win, good road win. It's hard to win anywhere on the road. Um, but got to look forward to this next game. So we'll see. Ryan? Yeah, that game just encapsulates to me, like if you come out and play sluggish on the road, you can be down at half to anybody in this conference. Uh, I've harped on it and harped on it, and, and so have y'all too. Um, but to me, it wasn't just that we were playing sluggish. Uh, we were missing free throws left and right. And the refs were a little bit crooked in the first half too until Deacon Barnes put them in their place. And we got uh, a few good whistles in the second half. But, yeah, I, I think it it showed how relentless this team is that, you know, we're, we're going to find a way to win against teams that are more talented than and. That's normally how, how, how it's going to go for us. Yeah, the officiating is something we got to touch on, too. That was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. The Deacon got a, got a technical. Is that his first technical of the year? I, I'm pretty sure mm, I it is. I, I feel like <clears> – <throat> I think I remember one in Maui, maybe, but don't don't check me on that. Okay. Well, either way, that guy – that ref is definitely going to hell because how do you give a technical to a Deacon? <laughs> What an asshole. Well, dude, they weren't calling anything on our end. Like, no, there was one where, like, uh, J.P. Estrella got elbowed right in the nose. And they were like, no, no, I didn't see anything. Hmm. Um, well, the, 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 the ridiculous thing is that the ref he was talking to wasn't even the one who teed him up. It was some guy across the court. No, no, yeah. He, it's like the in the NFL when a flag gets thrown, like, 20 yards away from the play. It's like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Stupid. Um, it's just a power trip moment. So, yeah, I mean, when you aren't executing, you have a slow start, and you have shitty refs, you can definitely find yourself down to anybody, and that's what the balls did. Um, it actually was – we were down by five at the half, 35 to 30, and then they got absolutely smoked in the second half. Deacon lit into them. Um, Ryan, you mentioned – well, both of you mentioned the free throws. Yeah, I mean, it ended up looking not not that bad. Um, the final tally for the day was 14 of 22, 64% of free throws. But it was much worse in the first half. I think Dal Dalton in the first half was one of six on free throws. 
And like, there's not really anything to nitpick Dalton about, which we'll get into. But that's the one thing, though. Like, you got to be better at your free throws. Adu missed like four. It, it was bad. Um, luckily, though, my main takeaway is Vandy is really, really bad. Like, they suck a bag of assholes. Like, they are horrible. <laughs> so, I mean, it, not taking away from the win, it, Connect had an incredible performance we got to get into, but. Vandy shot 37% from the field and 31% from three. So they, I mean, they're really, really, really bad. And like Jim said, and Ryan, you both, you said too, if you're, if you're playing bad in the first half against anybody in the SEC, you can slip up and see yourself down. So luckily in the second half though, it looked a lot more like the Tennessee team that we're accustomed to seeing. And it ended up being not so, not so stress-inducing in the second half. But yeah, connect. Obviously, connect is the star of the game. Uh, once again, he took over, and he finished with a thirty-two point. He kind of filled up the stat sheet too, which mm-hmm. they were talking about that on uh, Fox Sports Knoxville after the game. He had thirty-two point six rebounds, three assists, three blocks, like. That's I'm pretty sure he had three steals too. Yeah, he did. Yep. Like, that's incredible. And I'll let Jim speak on this more later, but that makes me kind of think he should be the favorite for a certain award. But what did y'all think about Connect's performance? I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I get it's against a Vanderbilt team, but. But he's done he, it against everybody recently. Oh yeah, I mean he did, Alabama. I mean, I, I the kid's incredible. I think this kid can definitely be a top ten draft pick if he keeps it up. Um, it was awesome to be able to witness it in person, and um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing else really you can say about it. But it's just incredible. Yeah, he he really spurred us ahead in the second half because for the first like. TV timeout, the, the first four four minutes of the second half, Vanderbilt was still hitting shots and kind of keeping us at, at arm's length, but Connect had, was having none of it. He went on, I think it was a 9-0 run by himself to put us ahead. And I mean, it it's like Jim said, when, when, to watch him heat up and get going in person was incredible. And that three from the corner he hit, which should have been a four-point play, was crazy, nuts. Talking about the one where he like fell down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we needed pretty much every one of those points. I mean, nobody else had a insane day. I, I do want to shout out Adu. Adu had a good day, nine points and ten boards, um, which is exactly what you want from your starting five. And then Vescovi had a nice little day too: twelve points, five rebounds, two assists. Yeah, he had some timely baskets. Mm-hmm. The, the, so. I don't have the breakdown, but I know at least two of those threes were in the second half. Yeah. And then um, I wanted to ask both of you guys this. Are you worried at all about – well, I know you probably are. Triple J was once again a non-factor. And, like, I know there's rumors, like – I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but there's some rumors going around. I just don't know how do you proceed from here. When, when one of your starting five is contributing absolutely nothing, 
I mean, that's a little worrisome to me. I mean, and it, and it really is like truly almost, almost literally nothing. You got a couple uh, boards. Yeah, a couple of boards here and there, but I mean, he gets the ball. He'll be wide open. He won't shoot it. Um, he passes it off. Like at least Vescovy, he pumps, goes to the basket, and dishes it back out. Like I, I just don't know what's going on with him. I know there's the rumors that we can't really talk about, but it's um, it's quite interesting on why. I get he has the leadership and the and the veteran, you know, status which is nice to have on the court, but like, if you're not going to contribute, I mean, there's plenty of talent on the bench that would. Yeah. Um, it's really unfortunate because it, Josiah Jordan James, he obviously loves Tennessee. He loves Rick Barnes. He loves the program. But I mean, at this point, he's not contributing anything scoring wise. I, I still think he plays solid defense and, stuff that really doesn't show up in the box score. But when you're a fifth-year senior, you have to be doing something, you know, resembling putting the ball in the basket. So it it, it is unfortunate. And I'll go ahead and throw this out there. I think Mayshack should be starting in his place. Well, it was weird because Mayshack didn't didn't take any shots either. He, like, he literally didn't shoot it once, which is yeah. surprising. I mean, that's typically not – like against Ole Miss, he had two crucial threes. Um, so yeah. I, I'd like to see him contribute a little bit more on offense. But, I mean, he's an elite defender, absolutely elite. So it's hard yeah. to complain if he's not doing too much on offense because the stuff that Mayshack does does not always show up in the stat sheet. So I, I don't think – even Estrella maybe I wouldn't mind go if you want to go with a bigger lineup. Yeah, I mean, can, can we talk about those Estrella minutes too? I thought he played terrific in in the first half. Grabbed a couple boards, had a little putback. I mean, he he, oh, yeah. he was solid. It was a good energy boost. The team needed, like, you could tell Rick was just trying to get a spark going. And Estrella is a high energy guy. And yeah, yeah I totally agree with you there. I mean, when when Awaka can't help but commit seven fouls per forty minutes, I mean that's. He he has a fouling problem right to now. To be fair, though, I mean, yeah, he does. But to be fair, some of them are just complete bullshit. Like that one of the two that he got, like almost immediately, he literally breathed on the guy a little too hard. Yeah, we literally looked at each other and was like, "Did he just like breathe or something?" Like, <laughs> meanwhile, the, dude, the crowd was going nuts because the refs in the first half were absolute trash. It, they literally got a refs you suck chant going in the first half because there were so many. And this is an away game, by the way. Uh, what what would you guys guess, you know, percentage wise, Tennessee fans? I, I'd say solid eighty percent, right? I'd I'd go a little lower. I think it was seventy five. I, I it got pretty rowdy in the in once when Vandy was up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with Jim there. Uh, our our whole level was basically orange, but our whole section was. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I I think you're right, Jim. They're they were making a little noise, even though they had paper bags on their heads. The, the Vanderbilt fans were, but though we got to talk about that too, Ryan. Uh, they they booed Jerry Stackhouse. Oh yeah, and and uh, when they announced starting lineups, you there, there was a smattering of boos. I was like, wow. Wow. And he's 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 single handedly destroying that basketball program. So, 
I would yep. too. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. And not because to... we t- well, we talked about it. Me and Bryce, well, we all did on the way home. Uh, that place would be absolutely nuts if the team was good. Yeah, and it it was it it, it was a, a hellscape for us back uh, ten fifteen years ago. I mean, it, it was hard to win there when they had you know Shane Foster, John Jenkins, Festus Azili, all, all those guys. I mean, they they were always a tough out in Nashville, but now it's just sunk into a place where it's it's it, it it is really sad and i i really i'm not trying to be give them any sympathy like it's truly sad e- even for a rival no i mean it i mean you want to see your rivals you don't want to see your rivals down bad that hard like you want it to be entertaining like i was telling jim i'm glad that we had that 20 minutes or so where it was pretty tight you know like it was a pretty stressful yeah it, I, you don't want – I mean, it's nice to get blowouts, but you don't want, like, every time you play somebody to just be a smattering. Like, you want your rivals to, to be in a somewhat spot where it's, you know, competitive. It's a rivalry. Yeah, it, it just makes it more more exciting. I mean, I, I know I had tons of fun watching us come back and get ahead again and, and separate. So, I totally agree with you there, Bryce. Like, it would be kind of fun if we could go – the three of us go to a Vandy game and, like, we get shit thrown at us. Or like, <laughs> yeah, like get a Philadelphia type atmosphere at Vandy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, anything else y'all wanted to touch on from that game? Um, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, I, overall team good effort. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Santiago Vescovi's interview, but this team is all about winning. They don't care about. You know, Dalton Connect is not caring about scoring 30 points a game. Yes, is it nice for his draft stock? Absolutely. But this kid wants to win a national championship, and this whole team wants to. So uh, that's what I got from this game is, hey, they saw that DK is hitting his shots. He's getting hot. And, of course, I'm giving this kid the ball. And that's exactly what they did, and they went and won a road game. So It kind of showed to me that, like, they know – that DK is fully capable of taking over the game at any point, but they want to try to be team oriented and play the Rick Barnes style, slower paced offense. But eventually it gets to the point where DK is like, all right, hold my beer. Let me, let me get this shit right real quick. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you got to feed the beast at some point. Um, uh, the, my, my last few thoughts on that game was, you know, Vanderbilt was packing it in, in the first half they had, that that's why everybody was we we they were fouling us left and right because anytime we went to the basket it was hack after hack. But Rick Barnes said in his post game comments that we passed up a lot of threes in the first half and we didn't in the second half and that's mm-hmm. kind of the reason we we separated. Um, and last 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 thing is another solid game from uh, Jordan Ganey, which is great to see. I hope he can keep it up because because we because we're gonna need him this week. We have two tough games coming up. I'm glad you mentioned that because we're all about being fair. Like we gave him a lot of shit when he deserved it. So he gets his mm-hmm. flowers when he deserves it. He's come up huge lately. I mean, think about it without his 10 points, it's a three point game. Yep. It's down to the wire. Yeah. So that was cool to see. And then last thing I know y'all both watched it. Um, 
Dalton Connects post game interview where Adu was like messing around in the background. Like you can tell these players love each other. First of all, yep. and second of all, the fact that he said that he wishes he could spend his entire four years here and not just the one, like that made me tear up a little. I mean, he's a talk BFL, about a way, yeah. Talk <laughs> about a way to endear yourself to a fan base that that doesn't get to watch you for very long. I mean, that is just like you just said, Bryce. Tear, tear to your eye. Well, imagine how he feels like playing in a northern Colorado, yeah. which is like, I don't know, that's like Austin P size, maybe even smaller. And to go from that to hundreds of thousands of people love you and like recognize you out in public, like that's got to be insane. For sure. All right, Jim. We got to get into uh, this, the next big game on the docket. So what are y'all's initial thoughts just, you know, before we, before we get to the game, what, what are y'all thinking so far of South Carolina? I just don't know how they're not ranked. I just don't, it makes no sense to me. Even if they were 25, this team should be ranked and should be a quad one win, in my opinion, being 17 and three. Now, before anyone says anything, they look now I said that before I looked at their previous games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's go back and look at their uh you know record, okay? I understand their best wins Kentucky. It was a great game at home. They go on the road and beat Arkansas, but Arkansas is not the same Arkansas we know. They barely sneak by Missouri, winning by two in Missouri. They lose to Georgia at home. And then they get slaughtered by Alabama. Uh, you know, they did beat Mississippi State, but that was at home. But all these games that they're winning, they're winning by a couple. And they, in my opinion, and this is not being biased with Tennessee, but if South Carolina wants to be that top 25 team, is they need to be winning by larger margins and when they play a team like Tennessee, if Tennessee's defense shows up, I just don't think this game could be close. Oh, yeah. I mean, Alabama put the clamps on them. Like, that's – I think that goes back to your – because I, I totally agree with you, Jim. Like, if you just look at their record and don't look in-depth at it, you're wondering why the hell is this team not ranked? Like, why the hell is this team not a quad one team? Um, but, I mean, looking back through it, you're totally right. Like they got, they didn't lose to Alabama. Like they got absolutely destroyed. They lost by 30. Um, they could only muster up 47 points, and that's not exactly a lockdown defense. You're not playing like the grit and grind Grizzlies or anything. So I, I don't know what happened there. Um, and then even if you go back to their non-con gym, I think this is a big part of it too. Their strength of schedule sucks, and they barely beat DePaul, who's horrible. And they barely beat VMI, who's horrible. So, like, even their non-con games have been close for the most part. So, I think all that added together is probably why they're not. But what that means is they really are going to want to kick our ass. Of course, of yeah. course, especially on the road. Teams come in and, you know, they they feed off the, the crowd and all that. Now, our crowd's got to be in it. Um it's, it's going to have to be a, a rowdy environment, which it will, especially if it's a close game. But, you know, don't sleep on the South Carolina team. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I mean, definitely, and that's all I'm going to say about it, actually. 
don't sleep on them. Uh, anything could happen. It's college basketball. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole conversation that y'all just had, that just tells me that they have a chip on their shoulder because that's the perception right now is that they haven't really played anybody, and when they play good teams, they normally get beat. So, I mean, when when you really look at it, three of their wins in conference of their five are against – two of them are against Missouri, one of them is against Arkansas. You're talking about two of the worst teams in the league. But that's exactly like I just said, the same reason that they have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to want to prove something tomorrow night. So you always got to look out. And they're ranked top 100 in defense. They're ranked ahead of us in, in scoring defense, in fact. So they're going to want to get in there and have a, a football game. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention, Ryan. I think this is going to be a game where – we're not getting into score predictions yet, but I, I think this is a game that Adu is going to have to take over a little bit. They're not a good rebounding team. They don't have a true dominant big. Like, I, I think this is a game that we're going to have to feed Adu quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And plus, like like you said, Ryan, they did beat Kentucky. Like, that. Th- that's a good win. That's a really good win. Like – they're capable. What that tells me is they're capable of beating the bat. They're capable of beating anybody. Yeah. If I they mean, get it, hot. Yeah. I mean, they, they shot crazy good in, in that game. But then you, you look at the game against Georgia that they lost. They missed 15 free throws, and they lost by five. So, yeah, they're actually a worse free throw shooting team than we are. We're really not a bad free throw shooting team, though. Like, usually the, our team's pretty decent, but – I don't know. Uh, you know, we heard even uh, Billy from the, our Vanderbilt insider. He said, you know, what did he say before before the game even started? How's Dalton going to shoot in this arena? It's because mm-hmm. it's a different way, you know, to look at things that he's never played in. He's never played in this gym. But, you know, he's at home. We're at home tomorrow. You know, we are expected to win. So I think um, you'll see – a lot better uh, free throw percentage by the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, it, in, in Memorial Gym, it's almost like it takes the uh, uh, away team an entire half to to get the, the shooting stroke right because of just how weird it is. I mean, if you look back on Vanderbilt's schedule, they're normally within five or ten points or even leading in, in a lot of their SEC games at halftime. I mean, they, they only lost Alabama by three at home. We're talking about the best scoring offense in the country. So that, that, that definitely – comes into account in that shithole <laughs> it is such a weird place man it's like the twilight zone it's like a funhouse maze i mean y- y'all saw the concourse it's like ripley's believe it or not it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah if, if nobody's ever been there before well one i wouldn't recommend going and not missing anything but like you walk in and the second floor is not really the second floor the second floor just has like a concession stand and a bathroom but then you walk up like up another flight of stairs to like the second part of the second floor. And that's where your seats actually are. And there's no bathrooms on that level for some reason. <laughs> like it makes no sense at all. It's horrible. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. The, the, the concourse is bad. The environment is fun. That's, that's what I'll say about it. Like Jim said, when they're good, that place would be scary. Cause like the way that the sound they have these like slanted concrete walls three inches from your face. So the way that you're like screams like echo, it, it, it gets loud as hell in there. Um, yeah. But anyway, enough about that. So South Carolina, what, what are you guys thinking score wise? 
it could go one of two ways, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, the last two times we played them, you know, it's been, you know, same thing, kind of just a blowout. And um, I don't know. I, it's hard to say depending on how we come out shooting, but if we play our game, I still think this ends up being a 10-plus point win. Yeah, if if we win, uh, uh, here, here's what I'll say. If it's going to be a close game, I think it's going to be under 70 points for both teams. If we're going to win by 20, we're going to score like in the 80s. Um, I'll probably fall somewhere in the middle there. I'll probably say like 72 to 60, something like that. Yeah, I, I think – I think it's going to be a little tighter. I just, I don't think, I don't know why. I'm just not expecting, I'm not expecting a huge, I think the 30 point streak for Dalton probably ends tomorrow. Honestly, I think we have enough playmakers though. I think we're a more complete team. We'll control the boards. I think it's going to be like a 74, 68 type game. Yeah. I like that. I Now I do think Dalton will score 20. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't think you'll have a bad game by any means, but I don't think uh, I think it'll be a different type of game. I think it'll be a slower paced game. I think we'll rely on our bigs a little bit more. See, I'm kind of looking forward to the next, you know, to a team that really focuses on Dalton just because, you know, I want to see this team step up and have someone step up like a Jordan Ganey or Zakai to where because we know Adu could do it. I mean, he's done it in multiple games, but. We need someone, you know, if they double DK, pass to someone, and we need Ganey to be hitting the shots, Santi to be hitting the shots. And, and we talked about Triple J. That's when you need Triple J to be hitting his shots. And then this team is, you know, almost unbeatable with the way they play their defense. So, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Maybe, maybe South Carolina does that, but a lot of teams really haven't been doubling him. They kind of just let him do his thing, and DK just figures it out. Because he he's either going to pop a three in your mouth, or if you come up on him, he's going to drive to the basket and get a foul. So yeah, I, I, I can't remember who tweeted it, but I think it, it was his last basket of the game for, for Dalton. He just isos himself into a contested mid-range jumper from the free throw line. And normally for any other player, like, oh, that's a bad shot. But for connector, like, oh, that's going in. Like, like it's ridiculous how how well he can find a shot, even when it looks like a bad shot. He he just makes it look so easy. Well, that's what's impressive to me about him is he's not just a spot up shooter. Like, like he can shoot off the ball too. It's just just rare for someone like him. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, you made a point before we started recording. I think is notable. This is like it's a very important game for us. Like it, it shouldn't be taken lightly. I mean, no, it conference game is. But this is a very important game for us because, you know, what's next on the schedule is the trip up to Rupp. Exactly. This is not – this is a game where it feels like a must win. Um, and actually, to me, in my opinion, it's a must win. You win this game, you know what? We all know Kentucky's hard to play in Rupp. So if you drop a game in Rupp, that's fine if you win this game. But if you lose this game and you go to Rupp, then you turn Rupp into a must win game. I'm not saying you lose both, you're not going to go to the tournament, but it's going to severely hurt the team if you lose both. Yeah. Um, 
I think any game at home in conference is a must win because like we always say, it is hard to win on the road. So I, I totally agree with you, Jim. And also, if you were to win this game, at worst you're starting conference six and two, and then you have six games in a row against teams that are near the bottom of the SEC after Kentucky. So you really have a chance to separate yourself if you do what you're supposed to in in the coming weeks. Yeah, there is a – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and we'll do a preview of Kentucky, but, like, the way they've been playing, I mean, Kentucky's beatable, even on the road. They are definitely beatable. You just have to have your big-time players, you know, show up. And like I said before, everyone else has to do their, their, their part, especially Triple J. And Watch like that said, be the game where Triple J, like, drops 20. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. So, at Kentucky, tough game. You know, you you hate to say that. I mean, we'll we'll preview it more in depth, but it's going to be a tough win. Then you get LSU at home, and then you have home games at A and M, home game at Ar- or at A and M at Arkansas, and then a home game against Vandy. So, like Ryan said, it's a streak of very winnable games after you get through South Carolina and Kentucky. Yep. And then you go even past Vanderbilt and you play Missouri and then you play A&M at home. So it's really six games that you, you, you can really separate yourself. So it's, yeah. it's, it, the, the, these next eight games are super important. For sure. And it, I know we've talked about how terrible they are. The at Arkansas game does make me a little bit nervous, though, just because, it, like you said, it's an, it's an SEC road game. And Arkansas's crowds, Jim mentioned this to me, Arkansas's crowds are still really good. Like, they I mean, there's nothing else to do in Arkansas, so might as well go to the basketball game. But, like, they, they've they still been packing that house. Like, that's still going to be a tough game. They always get oh, yeah. up against us, too. I mean, look they look what they did on Saturday night. They probably should have beat Kentucky. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough game there. All right, so we all think we at home being at home, you know, is going to be the difference. We're going to end. We're going to do enough to beat South Carolina. Moving on to yep. Kentucky, so that puts us in. Like I said, that, that's a pretty good spot. You got to feel pretty good about that. Um, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the Lady Vols now. So, <laughs> Kelly, listen. I know you're an avid listener of the show, Kelly. I defended you. I defended you. I defended you. And you made me look stupid. <laughs> like, come on now. Let's not be. I know Ole Miss is no, they're not scrubs or anything, but uh, the Texas A&M and the Ole Miss loss, that's just the kind of things that Tennessee fans aren't going to be too happy about <laughs> with the Lady Vols. So, yeah, the Lady Vols did lose yesterday. 80 to 75. It was at Ole Miss. I'll give them that. It was at Ole Miss, but still. I had people chirping at me today because I made a comment a couple weeks ago about how like the expectations for Kelly are ridiculous, which they still are, but yeah, then they go out and lose to Ole Miss. So thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's hard to win on the road in the in the ladies game too. And uh even with that loss, you're in a three-way tie for second in the SEC. So it's it's really 
it's not entirely a disaster, but you're, you're going to have to go on a stretch here to finish in the top four of the of the SEC standings for the ladies. So you want to see something funny? So I did a poll today. I did a poll today. They got 200 votes, and I asked if Kelly Harper should be fired. What do you guys think the result of that was? Yes. Yeah, I'd probably say, what, over 50% yes? Yeah, so I gave three options. So I did yes, no, and then to be determined, like based off how the season ends. And only 12% of people voted no. <laughs> Every 51% voted she should already be fired, and 37% said depending on what happens the rest of the way. So like 90%, uh, 88% of the fan base is like, probably going to be done with her which is kind of goes back it's like a testament to what i said earlier like the expectations are just ungodly yeah well she's I mean, destroyed it but yeah she she's blown it up a little bit especially how she how she performed in the non-conference and now you're trying to make some hay in conference play which is not where you want to be making hay so yeah that's I, a good I, point i mean <laughs> can't lose to middle tennessee yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand people who are voting no or st- still on the fence about it. And and really, I mean, are voting yes or still on the fence. And really, if you're on the fence about a coach, most of the time that means the coach is about to get fired anyway. So, you know, I've always said that if you're on the fence about a coach, they probably need to be fired. If you're having any doubts at all, like in 2016 with, with Butch Jones. So People had doubts about that? Yeah. We everybody wanted him fired after we lost to Vanderbilt to, to to end the season, and we kept it for one more year, and we had our worst season in our program's history. So, uh, yeah, the good old days. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's kind of hard, you know. You can't. It's not like everybody hates her for no reason. Like, yeah, she's failed. Jewel Spears is a beast, though. Oh, 30. yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, that team has players, like, which kind of makes it look worse for Kelly, in my opinion, because that team has two players that are, like, no doubt WNBA players. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of, the I guess, the, the whole point of the people who aren't satisfied with it is that you have the talent, but she's not doing enough with it. So that's just – that's always the, the deal with – Coaches, I mean, that's a pretty obvious thing to say. So it's just, it's just sad to see. We'll see if they can get back on the winning track. They go to Georgia on Thursday. Mm. So, and Georgia's not very good. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully they win. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, did you guys want to talk? We haven't addressed it yet, but, um, Unless you did last time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did anybody talk about Danny White's tweet yet? Oh, let's do it. We we, we did not address it. We, we, we were focused on Vanderbilt with Billy. Okay. So, if you don't know what I'm talking about, our friend, <laughs> the Big Orange Punch, kind of got dunked on by Danny. Um, he was doing a thing where he was tweeting every day until Danny White addressed the student section problem, which, you know, that always works. And um, 
Danny White. <laughs> so, so the the point was, um, a lot of people, including us, we've mentioned before that the atmosphere at TBA is kind of lame. Like it doesn't seem like very intimidating, right? Well, Big Orange Punch went on like a Twitter crusade about getting Danny to annoying Danny until he decided to move it. Well, Danny responded with the following. I guess since it's day five, I'll answer, but won't be addressing this again. <laughs> we already changed the student section prior to the 22-23 season and moving the students from the corner to moving the students from the corner to behind both baskets closer to the court, increasing lower bowl seats by 40% while keeping the same number of upper bowl seats. We did this to enhance our home court advantage and it has worked. Atmosphere is electric. Okay. It's disingenuous to compare the third largest college basketball arena in the country that's sold out for the season to buildings half the size with a fraction of the season ticket base. Stop the nonsense. So, Jim and Ryan, I want to get y'all's initial thoughts before I get mine. You got it, Jim. I mean, I'm definitely an advocate of uh, having the students closer to the basket, but, I mean, he does have a point. Um, I think, I think they should have moved into the sideline instead, but I mean, Hey, they also have to make their money, which is pretty much what I got off from that specific tweet is that they have some big time people paying for those big time tickets. So they're not going to move them. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I totally agree, Jim. That's the, 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 the gist of his message there. Um, but uh, it's like I always say, I mean, are those people really contributing to the atmosphere, even though they pay all that money? Probably not. I mean, that's our complaint, and I understand his Danny White's viewpoint. He, he's a businessman. He's supposed to look at the bottom line as well as the success of the teams. And if we're still winning games at home, you know, 95% of the time, why would you want to change anything that would possibly make the people who – fund the program upset. So I totally understand. But the thing I didn't like about it was the last three words, stop the nonsense, just kind of talking down to the fan base. That's the only part that, that I didn't like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying. I mean, the emotional fan part of me wants to be like, that sucks. Like, you know, I agree with both of what you said, but the business side, I, I agree. Like, I mean, he is running, he's an athletic director, but I mean, he is running a business and it does suck that a lot of the people it's, it's not a Danny white problem. Essentially it, it is a fan problem. I mean, it's called spade a spade. The people that are spending the big money are not like conducive to an electric environment in my opinion, but it is what it is. I mean, obviously, the like you said, Ryan, when you're winning and selling out, not anything is going to change. Yeah. So. Yep. And I, I don't don't get it twisted. Like I, we all love Danny. I, I think he 100 percent is. An, I think he's an incredible athletic director, and I think he has the best interest of the the school in mind. 100 percent. I just I think he's in a tough spot here. It's one of those situations where you can't please everybody. So I think in his mind, he probably is like, well, if it ain't broke, why fix it? So, 
Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. I love that Danny responds to people. Yeah. It's better than him being locked away in some tower and not accessible. So, you know. Um, guys, you want to talk a little baseball? We, we, we got some some preseason All-Americans and we got a, a ranking from, from one publication. Yeah. Tell us about it, Ryan. Okay. So Baseball America – has the baseballs coming in at number eight to start the season. We're uh, 18 days out, by the way, so we're, we're, we're getting real close. And then uh, D1 Baseball put out some preseason All-Americans, and there was three balls on that list. We have uh, Billy Amick making the second team, the, our, our uh, transfer from Clemson we secured in the offseason. Got Drew Beam making the second team. And we got Christian Moore making the third team. Now uh, – should one of those guys not be first team? Like Drew Beam has been a lights out pitcher for the last two years. I think he he should probably be first team. There's a couple guys that's not on any list that should be on those lists, but I mean I get it. There's a lot of talent in the country, but still, I mean Tennessee's loaded this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew Beam is the one that I most expected to be on there, but dude, I'm I'm so ready for. For some baseball, I know it takes a month, month and a half for it to get interesting with all these midweek games. You win twenty-eight to nothing, but I'm I'm still excited. I think it's going to be a real another fun season of baseball. Now, let me ask you this: Do you think do you have as high expectations for the baseball team as you do for the basketball team? Absolutely. We, okay. Because yes. we talked about it in private. All three of us think that the Vols, the basketballs, have the potential to go all the way this year. Not predicting that, but it wouldn't surprise us if they did. Do y'all feel the same way about baseball? Uh, it all depends on our Sunday pitcher, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to project. I mean, me, we both played baseball, Jim, so like, a lot of it comes down to who's healthier the time Omaha comes around, especially pitching-wise. So it's hard, though, to not – like Ryan said, it's hard to not look at this roster and be extremely excited. Dude, our, we last year what we were lacking was about two more bats because Cal Stark is great behind the plate. Like, he is an awesome catcher behind the plate, but – the pickup of Cannon Peebles is gigantic for this this lineup because the kid could hit. Um, you got Billy Amick who could hit, and he could pretty much play anywhere. Um, you know, it's just – I would be shocked if we didn't at least get to Omaha. Yeah. I mean, Tony Vitello is the best coach on campus, and I don't think that's debatable. He's gotten to the College World Series two of the last three years. And the year he didn't, we were the best team for that whole season in the country. Um, he has built the juggernaut in Knoxville for for the – I mean, it, it is ridiculous. He's the best coach on campus. I am more confident that baseball will do something in the postseason than I am the basketball team. And I know that's crazy to say after seeing what Dalt Connect and the rest of the team has done this year, but that's just how high my expectations are for Tony Vitello and the – Ball baseball program. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I feel like part of your rationale for that take is also like what he inherited. Like, to he he has the team like where he has them after what he inherited. 
Like, that's impressive to me. Oh, he inherited a, a like, broken down shed held together by scotch tape. It, it was a shit show. Well, speaking of baseball, did we mention Todd Helton yet? Yes, we touched on that last week. That's so awesome. I mean, I, Bryce, I, I wish you would come coach. I know, right? Like, first base coach. I, I'm pretty sure he still lives in Knoxville. He does, yeah. Um, but Bryce, did, uh, if you listen to our podcast, I, I mentioned it. But uh, Todd Helton, Frank Thomas, they're the only two SEC players to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's huge. And like I said, that'd be such a good recruiting like way to get someone to come play. Yeah. If you just be like, yeah, we have a Hall of Famer on our staff. That's yeah. incredible. It is incredible. I can't wait for baseball. Mostly because my MLB team is horrible. So <laughs> I'm yep. gonna be dialed in, baby. There you go. Are y'all any are y'all worried at all about the other pitcher spot, the last pitching spot? No, I'm not it's not that I'm worried. It's just like someone's gonna have to solidify it. I feel like it's gonna be like uh probably AJ Russell, which he did plenty good last year when he, you know, got his opportunities out of the pen. So uh it's just someone having to step up because, you know, we weren't thinking that we would have to get another one with but with Chase Burns leaving, uh you know, it opened up a you know, a Sunday spot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not worried about it either. I mean, it, it's a, it's flowing with talent over there in that program. So, I think we'll, we'll we'll find somebody before the season's over that can help us out on on that third pitching spot. And we got the best pitching coach in the country, in my opinion, Frank the Tank. He's a beast. Yep. Well, speaking of Chase Burns, Wake Forest is number one in a lot of places. So, yeah. Well, mm. uh, if he's starting, he's going to get wrecked. <laughs> well, that's that's what he wants. So he could have been a top draft pick for a closer or relief pitcher, but you know, I mean, it's just not conducive to starting. I mean, when you can hit triple digits with your fastball, that's not going to go for five or six innings, unless you're like Trevor Bauer, but or Shohei yeah. Otani. Yeah, well. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you, though, 100%. I think career-wise, I don't know why you wouldn't go stick with a high-leverage pitching position, but whatever. But lot to look forward to on Rocky Top. And yeah. It's a little bit slow on the football front right now, but that'll pick up, too, pretty soon. Hey, whoa, whoa, no, no. You see what happened today? <laughs> Did you what see? What are you referring to? Jordan Ross jumped 31 spots in the final rankings of the 2024 class. He is the number seven recruit in the class. Wow, you mean they didn't they didn't lower a player's rankings after committing to us? Well, he's actually not the only one. Um, uh, Peyton, Peyton, Lewis. Peyton Lewis jumped a lot too, and he's actually I think number 64 in the class now. So. Yeah, he he flew up sixty spots. I mean, we're uh, it's like we we we've we've said it that this whole process we all all these guys we got committed are dudes. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, y'all seen Bennett Warren on a football field? Yeah, he's a brick shit house man. He's a just absolute hoss of a man. I I think it's a tragedy that he's what the in the twenties as far as offensive tackles go. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah, um, I, I know. I know. I would no. I know you guys. Know. I'm just saying to ever oh, everyone yeah. listening. It's this kid's gonna be special. I would mortgage my house that there's not going to be 20 tackles from this class that have better careers. I totally agree. All right. Anything else y'all want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, nope. Uh, definitely um, going to be cheering on the balls tomorrow. Yeah. We are going to be beating cocks tomorrow. <laughs> beating the cocks, baby. Hell yeah. Vols favorite pastime. <laughs> Go Vols. Oh, Go Vols. Go Vols, baby.